space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And hosting us is Dr. Squee. Hello. How are we all doing in the run-up to Christmas? All right. Yeah? It's good to know with the three wise men so busy, us three can work finally. (laughs) (laughs) So we're here to talk about episode 10 now of Discovery Season 3, and this is Terra Firma Part 2. And yeah, a few thoughts on this one, but we'll get into it. Uh, directed by Chloe Domont, who is new to Discovery again, trying out a lot of new directors this season, but uh, done a lot of work on Ballers, which I've never seen, but I know it's got The Rock in it, so it can't be all bad. Yeah, yeah, a very pretty looking episode, very well filmed. I yeah. Kind of, yeah. If this is her premier work <laughs> in Star Trek, long may she continue. Yeah, it's very good. And the screenplay is credited to Kalinda Vasquez uh, from a, a story by the same people who did the story last week. So it looks like the story's been hashed out and then different people have been assigned the actual screenplay. Uh, Kalinda Vasquez has done Once Upon a Time, but also Prison Break. But Prison Break when it was good. When, you know, the, the original run of Prison Break, so... And all fairness, Once Upon a Time in its earliest uh, series. I, I enjoy. Uh, right? Once Upon a Time is really good if you totally ignore the last season. Hmm. Yeah, it, well, it got convoluted as it went on. Let's face it, it, really it did get convoluted, on. but it's literally that is one of those series that it had come to an end, and then the <laughs> studio decided that they wanted to do another season after all the actors had actually finished and gone off. So you got a whole new cast for the last season. Set in a completely different place, so it did make no sense. Yeah. Oh, I never got to the end. Really? Did it not have any of the original casting? Um, it had the uh, witch in it. That was it, pretty much. Okay, I remember there was the spin off one they did as well for a year. Yeah, like Once Upon oh, a Time in Wonderland spin-off. or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they went to Wonderland for a spin off kind of series. Something it was like, like that. a summer series. Uh, which might have been going to future series, but they just said, oh, no, no, it's a limited event because it didn't get too many ratings. Yeah, it's good when they do that. Like, oh, it would always meant as a limited series. It were one and done. That's why there's a cliffhanger in the last episode. It were always meant to... <laughs> but speaking of cliffhangers then, uh, we're, we're back for part two. Um, now, I want to say before we get into, like, the meat of the episode... The pacing of this episode was just insane. It just, like, I, I know it was like 48 minutes or whatever, so it wasn't the longest episode of Discovery, but it, from about the halfway point of the episode, it just, vum, it just rushed through it. I thought it was really, really, really fast-paced, which sort of, because it was that fast-paced, I didn't realise really until afterwards that we'd not got um, Lorca, Jason Isaacs at all. And I think yeah, they kind of got away with it because it all... No, I don't think they did. To me, I, I enjoyed the story as a story. Yeah. But I was very disappointed. See, we'd, I, had so yeah. many, we'd had so many build-ups of 
and hints of things that could happen and go to happen, and we just didn't get any of it. Yeah. Or very little of it. I, I think for me, with Lo- just Loka specifically, first time I watched it, I was still watching for Loka. I was still hyping it turn up, and I was disappointed. Watching it back the second time, it was just it was more enjoyable as an episode. But it's kind of a shame the first time you're watching it, you are still hoping Loka's yeah, going to pop up. I forgot about him about halfway through, and I just thought it rocketed no, along. Even uh, start hinting about him again in this episode. I know they do, yeah. But I, as I say, I just like past the halfway point of this episode, it just all rockets up, and it wasn't until after the episode had finished that I went, "Oh wait a minute, we didn't, we didn't actually get Larka." But I would, I would say to begin with, I was expecting it. There was a point where I was like, "Oh, they're not going to do Larka," and I kind of resigned myself. But it, yeah, it just it seems to, and like I said in the first part. I think you needed to establish he wasn't going to be in it, like give some reason why he definitely could yeah. be in it right yeah. now. And then you what, would not even think about it. Like, I'm going to go back to what I said last week. And this entire two-parter is a backdoor pilot for the Section 31 show oh, with George. Yeah, v- very, very it, it, much so. It is not, it is, in, for two parts, it's hardly driven our main plot forward at all. No, this is true. I mean, to the extent that they were like, oh, we're, we're, we're scanning for it, we're trying to decode everything. I literally put it on pause by accident, and <laughs> it's like, we're going to pause the main story while we do this Giorgio stuff by literally having Adira accidentally leave it on pause, which, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you definitely had the idea that, uh, like, there was 10 minutes, which was definitely, okay, we'll shove some plot in. We kind of yeah. got some time at the end of this episode. Let's stick in this main plot. But I think this, I will be a monkey's uncle if this wasn't a backdoor pilot. Like, this, well, so obvious setting up for, like, you know, well, Jojo through that uh, big donut and they haven't, like, uh, had a plan to show us where she is, then I'm really pissed off. This really feels like it's safe. No, I mean, it absolutely well, is. Well, David Cronenberg last episode said that the time that Jojo sort of came through to the Prime Universe, the Mirror Universe and the Prime Universe were a lot closer together. Yeah. yeah. And the Guardian of Forever has said that he sent her back to a tie. Yeah, where the universes were closer together. But they were. <laughs> yep, spoiler alert. Um, they were. I thought they were ambiguous enough with it that they, there's still a bit of leeway with where exactly they're gonna set, where and when exactly now, they're gonna. I'm set gonna, I'm gonna throw out a theory on this. I think Giorgio is gonna show up somehow on the Enterprise. In strange new worlds, Ooh, interesting, and then go off, and then go off onto Section Thirty One show. Maybe, yeah. She sort of, she, like I think the Section Thirty One show. Realistically, we're probably looking at twenty twenty two, yeah, if not twenty twenty three before we get it. And I don't think they'll leave it that many that long without Giorgio. Maybe, if yeah. I, I don't know how you square that circle. For me, it seemed to be heavily suggested. Anyway, could be wrong. I thought it was suggested that she was going back to her own universe in the past. No, it's it, it specifically said I'm not sending you back to the Terran universe. No, no, I thought I thought he specifically said I'm not sending it back to your time. I didn't he said, no, I said I'm not sending you back to the Terran universe. I'm sending you back to okay. a point in time where the two universes yeah, were yeah, closer yeah. together. Yeah, but he didn't. I, okay, I need to watch this back now. Like, but I'm sure he didn't say Terran universe. He said I'm not sending you back there. I think he said, which I assume mm. to mean. 
that point in time. Maybe <coughs> I misconstrued it, but like he didn't say Terran Universe because that's the first thought I I had. And again, I now I'm I'm talking about it. I don't know why particularly, but it just sounds to me like it was a different time within the Terran Universe, which could be no, a place to set. I'm th- I'm thinking with what David Cronenberg said about when the time that Discovery and George were really from. Yeah. The universes were closer together, and the Guardian yeah. of Forever said, I'm sending you back in time to a point where the two universes were closer together. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got But it. he did, he also said that, I'm not sending you back to the Terran universe, I'm sure he of didn't it. Say Terran universe. I, 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 <laughs> I don't remember him saying Terran universe, but uh, I, the, inference, the, the inference I took from it was, I'm not sending you back to that timeline that you've just been in for the last two episodes. But yeah, if, if anyone's watching this and they can check the tape, like let us know. It doesn't say to But I, I think there's. I mean, we'll get into it as we go through. But I, I think there's some ambiguity as to how real what was happening was, and whether the things she well, did have changed the timeline or not. I get the sense um, that they haven't. I think but... I've got a feeling that she was in a almost a pocket universe. Yeah, that's what so I she's, think. She's she spent three months there because she had. All, all the biological data on her wrist thing that she'd li- lived three months in this other unit, wherever. Yeah. Had passed through her. But it hasn't altered what has previously happened that we'd seen in the Terran universe. No. So I it, hasn't think al- that's right. it hasn't altered any of the events that happened in series one of Discovery. No. I think, so I think, I think, think this is. I think this has just been like a little pocket universe that was created. It, to for events to play out and to see if events would play out differently, which yeah. they have. I think that I think what we're doing with the way we're treating uh time travel in Star Trek now, and we talked about this a lot when we did our time travels if I could talk the time travel series in the run up to this season of Discovery. We've sort of gone from Star Trek always used to portray time travel in the Back to the Future way, that there was one timeline, and if you went back and changed things, time adapted round it, and you had to go back and fix it so that it didn't break the timeline, and so on and so on. And that's how it was done for a long, long time. Whereas now we seem to be moving more into the Avengers Endgame version of time travel, where... Every change you make creates a separate universe that goes off yeah. and does its own thing. And so every timeline <clears throat> can be intact and still exist and everything without affecting the other ones, which is, is good for writers because um, it means you can you can do this story and you don't have to worry about, well, that'll mean that season one didn't happen the way it happened and so on and so on. So I think we're... We're moving to more of that, and that's sort of exemplified by the fact that we've got the the Kelvin timeline that exists as its own thing, whereas before we wouldn't have really done that. It'd have been well, we've got to put put it back, put and, things right. Yeah, yeah. You see, I assume though. I mean, I don't know. It just struck me like that. Uh, what they were doing with this, whatever, whether it's pocket universe, whether it is the mirror universe, whatever. I, I assumed where she was going to was going to be in the Terran universe in a different time to see the results of what played out there. Ah, possibly. Like, even if it doesn't affect like discovery, I think that'd be really interesting. Like, what what would the Kalkian Re- Rebellion have done? Could she see the kind of like uh, the results of what she put in in place? Yeah, no, that would be interesting to explore, and maybe they will do. I mean, there's a we know next to nothing about the Section Thirty One show, other than 
it's probably going to be called Section 31 and it'll definitely star Michelle Yeoh. But other than that, we know nothing. So there's there's lots of stuff to be explored. Anyway, we've we've gone for the end of the episode. Let's let, <laughs> let's wind it back a little bit. <laughs> so we pick up sort of where we left off last week. Michael's getting chucked in the brig, the agonizer, and the, the what I like about this is that the giving us context to where things were at when we first visited the mirror universe in season one. Like there's this undercurrent of, Oh, people are questioning Giorgio's commitment. And the, as she built this big fortress, cause she's retiring there effectively. And, you know, she's not as ruthless as she was. And all this stuff's been sort of seeded in. And we've seen Giorgio change in our universe, but we're seeing that, even before we met the character, people were having the doubts and people were starting to think that maybe she wasn't as tyrannical as she was before and everything. So I like that it's it's a bit of a retcon, but I think it's one that can work. Does it possibly well, also establish something from the original Mirror Universe episode? So in the Mirror Universe, you see them using the agonizers to torture people mm-hmm. as opposed to giving them a quick death by sword, which I think... That's such a pussy move. Like, that's the quick, easy way out. Like, I don't think in the Terran universe that should exist because, like, that's the Silver Sword was always your, you know, you're being honoured by being killed yeah. this way. I don't think they're that honourable. I think, like, you get tortured to death at least or get tortured just, like, for the fun of being tortured and maybe eventually they kill you. I, I think that maybe what Giorgio's done here sets it up for Kirk's yeah, yeah. Sorry, Emperor yeah. Tiberius's reign. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it fits in and everything, yeah. And, yeah, I like... I mean, there's a weird... She quotes Les Miserables, which is bizarre. But the, <laughs> there's all this stuff of, right, she's talking to Killy and you're going to torture Michael and all this. But then, yeah, she says, the darkest night will end and the sun will rise. And it's like, really? What? Les Miserables? Why didn't uh, Kelly get bitch slapped though, at that point? I'm sorry, but if you're going to say to the Emperor, I don't care, like, if she's been away in our universe, she's learned some lessons, the second you go, it's like, why isn't Michael <laughs> dead slapped straight away? That's- yeah, fair point. Maybe they just thought, like, that if that happened, the slash fiction people would just have an absolute meltdown. So, you know, they couldn't... I would have, and that's why I was praying for it. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there's... I'm not saying titillation wasn't involved. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm sure there's there's things out there that'll satiate that need if you you want to go well, down that you, route. But yeah, it, I'd it say... That, well, it wasn't just that. No, I take your point, yeah. It, you would think... But again, is it because she's now a bit softer and she's a bit more lenient? I don't know. Um, the credits, then... She still made the tough decisions. Sorry? She still seemed able to make the tough decisions like she you know, did. getting people killed who would kill her otherwise. Yeah. So I think it would be perfectly appropriate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think it would have gone amiss, but yeah. So the credits were were pretty much in fringe territory here. We're, we're in an alternate universe, so we're doing blue credits instead of sort of orangey credits and everything's upside down and back to front. And I quite liked that. I thought that was a nice touch. Going down the uh, uh, Enterprise route as well. They yeah, did. I was up yeah. to say Enterprise completely did, redid its titles for yeah, the new universe episodes. They were good. The well, you know, one of the main reasons they were so good is because they didn't have that song. 
which that <laughs> was Agafi. It's a classic. It's a classic. But yeah, sadly absent from those two mirror episodes of Enterprise. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. There was indeed. <laughs> I've always only defended that theme tune only because where they're going for the spirit of kind of like, just, you know, going out into the stars and everything. I think in Manchester it's kind of 80s kind of power chord. Boot. Yeah. It, and, and like the visuals of the Enterprise credits are fantastic. Like where it shows all the astronauts and yeah, it's brilliant. It's just, nah. <laughs> it's, you could have at least got the Rod Stewart version, but no. Okay. So, yes. Uh, Michael in the brig then. So now she keeps getting offered the food. And at one point they offer her what looks like a full English breakfast. It's like got beans and eggs and Yeah, it looked like she was getting all sorts. <laughs> I think this ain't bad, isn't this, you know, for, for prison in the Terran universe. That's or maybe also, maybe, no, oh, sorry, I was say, also I had a clank of cutlery, which is very careless. You do not arm them. Even if they're in the brig, even if there's a force field. Yeah, yeah. could be. Yeah, it's a good point, but... I, like, I wonder if it's sort of like one of those things, you offer them something nice to see if that butters them up at first. Or were, they, or were they doing it that they knew that she was off to refuse food, so they put something really tempting in front of her. Oh, probably, I mean, yeah. Or maybe it's like... I'm refusing to eat. Okay, we'll offer you something really tasty. Yeah, really, really mess with you to begin with. And then later on, when she's more apt to eat, give a dog ends like so if she does eat yeah it's more humiliating well yeah because she ends up just eating a bit of dry bread in the end doesn't she or but with yeah. ears for some reason <laughs> <laughs> maybe though it's because it's the mirror universe and like she says she's craving kelpian ganglia so maybe a fry up's not good in the mirror universe maybe they don't like fry ups and they're like oh no, no get, get that away me, I, no I think they'd be right into a good fry I would have thought none so of this, yeah. uh, none of this good for you Milaki. <laughs> get some more lard on your plate yeah get that in <laughs> cholesterol and everything brilliant yeah good point <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's uh, Detmer turns up, and this is where they start name dropping Locker all over the place with the, you know. Though I did like there's a bit where um, Detmer says like, "Yo, no one can withstand the torture," and she sort of says Locker, and that ties into season one. Locker did withstand that because they they put him in an agonizer for days and days, didn't they? Before, yeah, but if you. Um... He had Michael injecting with a, a neural blocker. Did he? Yeah. Oh, when I when about that shuttle that. going over, he had. If you watch it back, he has uh, Michael injecting with a neural blocker because oh, he knows he's off to get thrown in the agonizer for days and days. Oh. see, I was thinking that were a nice callback, and like, no, she's it, right. It Locker. would. It, it, it would be a nice callback. <laughs> if you don't watch season one and see that he used uh, neural blocks, oh, there we to go. Then my, my respect for Lorca has gone down down the nick. Then, if anything, he should have been injecting himself <laughs> with something that makes your nerves hypersensitive, so he can show how hard he is. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, or for Christmas, your respect for him has gone down the old Saint Nick. Yep, there you go. Good one. Still <laughs> on the Christmas in today. <laughs> and then. The, now, this is the bit I didn't overly like in the episode, that bizarrely you get this sort of voiceover from Giorgio for a part of the episode where it's, 
Oh, Michael, I thought I could change you and maybe you will change and all the... And I just like, really, do we need that? Like, you you can show that and it's not a captain's log. It's just the characters in a, in a monologue, which... It, it just seemed a bit weird and out of place for me anyway. It's just, it's a, a narrative technique I'm not the biggest fan of when all of a sudden you'll drop a voiceover in randomly. And in the case of this one, it sort of disappears after one or two scenes and that's it. It almost feels a little bit, a little bit like lazy writing, like we need to convey this, but... We, we can't construct a situation where either Giorgio can talk to someone else about it or we can show it. So we'll just have a... Doing an inner monologue and... But, during that inner monologue, she does admit that she's changed. And this is sort of the first time that the character actually admits that, yes, being in the, the Prime Universe has changed me. And I thought that was pretty good, that we're actually getting the acknowledgement from him and we we've seen it as viewers but i thought it was pretty cool to actually have the character acknowledge it i think the one bit which annoyed me was when she went into the brig with michael and like you've got to imagine in that world you've got to be uber paranoid we've i think established in the original series i'm trying to remember or it might have been in uh the mirror universe next generation book but there was this idea that anywhere you were, like all the cameras were being hacked and being monitored by other mm. people and stuff like that because it's so cutthroat. So when she goes in to talk to Michael, at least I would just like the bit where she like lasers the camera or something, does something to kind of screw up with the surveillance. Yeah. It seemed very risky to talk that openly right in front, you know. Yeah. So I must admit, I thought like you'd think that a prison block especially would be under high security. So it'd have all so she might have got permission to talk to her on her own. But there's going to be cameras and monitoring devices all over the bloody place. Yeah, I suppose maybe if she's because she's the empress, she can bypass it or something. But... Oh, I thought you meant when Dietmar went in. Oh, right. Sorry. No, I, I meant when when Giorgio went in. I think just I would like to have seen something of her switching the cameras off so no one else can monitor it. Because oh, because again... I thought like when Dietmar went into yeah speak to, her, I thought like. You're giving yourself away here. Well, I think, though, that that is acknowledged later in the episode because Detmer does get her comeuppance, so I don't well, I don't well, think Giorgio's unaware of Detmer's true... Yeah, but, well, to be fair, um, Giorgio's already been through all the rebellion and seen all the people who were yeah. actually on Lorca's side. So she has prior knowledge. This is true. So... So, telling Michael to go kill everyone, she knows exactly who she should kill. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, already. It's, she already knows who, all, who everyone is who's against her. She could, she has her own people. She could have uh, stopped this so easy, just like that, in the first, in a couple of minutes. Well, it's a, I think it's a test for Michael, isn't it? To see yeah, it is a test for Michael. But, go through with it and actually kill the people. And her. But I just thought, I just thought Dietmer asking to go in and see Michael in private. And then she's talking about, obviously, she's in, in cahoots with her in the mm. conversation. It's sort of like, well, you've just given yourself away here. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. And, yeah, because, you know, going back to what you were saying about, like, the laser in the camera or whatever, I just imagine that everything's been filmed all the time in, <coughs> yeah. in the Star Trek universe. Like, we saw... 
the uh, in Unification Part 3 where you've got that recording of Spock that people were kicking off and saying, well, there's no way it could have been recorded. And it's like, no, I think everything's recorded constantly, all the time. But that just makes my like, point. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's be, let's be honest here. If you go out on the streets nowadays, you're being recorded almost constantly. Yeah. But, well, like, surely, like, if you're going into an interrogation chamber in that universe, yeah. I make sure the camera's off. And I want, as a viewer, to see that because, like, I'm aware of yeah. the situation that she's in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so we get the turn turning point with Michael then. So she seemingly breaks after Giorgio gives her the, the fireflies and she eats the, the bread. And then she goes and she pledges her allegiance and all that. Did you guys buy it at this stage? No. No. No, I didn't. No, no I, was quite, <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised when... It was like all a bluff. Yeah, I I think the whole thing though, it was. I I, I don't think we were necessarily meant to. I like no. think they left it out so in case anyone was fooled. But I think they knew that the whole journey was meant to be about uh, Georgia realizing who she's become, realizing that she makes these decisions because they're right. Even when she came out, like at the end, mm. she said it's like, oh, what have I been found lacking? As if like, so what? Like I did what I needed to do. And if you can judge me for that, yeah, I know, fine, whatever. Like, yeah. So I don't think she was doing it for completely the right reasons. That was the main thing as well. She wasn't doing it so the uh, Guardian would save her. She was doing it because she knew that's how she should have dealt with it. No, exactly. And she didn't know it was a test until she came out either. But but yeah, and also I think the thing about like not buying that Michael's actually become loyal again that's paid off well in the story because Giorgio didn't believe it either. So it doesn't make Giorgio look like an idiot, which is important if she's going to get this spin-off show. We need to see that she's not duped by this. So I thought that was very well done. And you get the... I think it would have been from everything we've seen of Giorgio for the last three seasons, if she had been duped by this, it would have been totally out of character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and plus, how Star Trek is it like to have the, uh, the what she's doing is more important than how it works out. It's not about how her kind of like her being anyone or being Victorian. Yeah. It's about her doing the right thing, regardless. Much like Picard when he gets chooses to get stabbed by the Norse again, he knew he was doing the right thing. It didn't matter what the outcome was. Yeah, absolutely. And so you get Michael going on the killing spree. And we only see her kill Landry again. So this is the third time that Landry's been killed in Discovery <laughs> now. So, I mean, it's great that they keep bringing the actress back, but every single time. <laughs> um, I would have quite liked it if they'd made this more of a montage and had her, like, assassinating more people. I think that would have been quite cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought that. Yeah. Throwing the badges, like, have a death scene for a Yeah. I thought yeah. that's what we were going to get. Yeah, they could have sort. Of, yeah, they could have sort of before where you saw the routine with Landry. You could have sort of have a go into Georgia and go Landry, and then it cut to a killing Landry. Yeah, and then uh, Reese, and then yeah. cut to a killing him, and then yeah. and then somebody else to do a little scene there, and then have all these others and just have like pew, 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 pew. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who sweeps G-Deck, he wasn't part of the plot, but he always misses a spot. Yeah, get him. <laughs> so no, I'd have been up for that. But anyway, 
So then, yeah, she she finishes off by killing Detmer. And I didn't see that coming that time, actually, but yeah, that was pretty cool. And then you get the sort of re-establishment or full re-establishment of Giorgio and Michael's relationship. And you've got this thing about they've stopped eating Kelpian and Giorgio's got this thing of, you know, oh, it's because it's tough and it isn't, you know... It, it's high in cholesterol. High in cholesterol, yeah. <laughs> Unlike which, that fry-up that we my, served which here. Which totally ruins my theory about a full English. <laughs> yeah. Breakfast theory ruined. Maybe that was that, that was uh, her giveaway. It's like, you know, she's yeah. worried about calories. We love our full Englishes around here. Well, maybe the, the Kelpian ganglia is even more high in cholesterol. Like, a fry-up's fine. But, you know, you, you're just getting silly when you start eating your kelpie gang- and ganglia. A ganglia is literally like eating a block of lard. That's, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the synthetic meat, they can cut down in calories whilst keeping the flavour. They've never managed to, manage to, to replicate ganglia properly. I mean, I've heard that in Scotland, they actually serve deep fried kelpie and ganglia. <laughs> in keeping. <laughs> but... I, I, I must admit, like, just while we're on the kind of whole thing of Burnham and uh, Georgia... I still, I care a lot less about uh, Michael's uh, mirror counterpart than I like, Giorgio was the star. It's like, oh, I yeah, just, no. I, it, oh. I didn't give a stuff about. No, and no, I don't think you're supposed to, to be fair. I think she is just meant to be an antagonist in this bit of the story, and she's yeah. meant to be animalistic and over the top. And, yeah, I, d- I don't think at all that you're meant but to the whole, care about The whole her. thing of this two-part was, it is a pilot for Giorgio. Yeah. yeah, it's a backdoor think... pilot. Michael was never meant to be the prominent star. No, it's no, all mean, about Giorgio. That's I why I think we've I... got their monologues and things thrown in. Mm-hmm. I just meant I'd like to care about her performance a little bit better. Yeah, I just yeah, I just felt like she was she wasn't anything really. It wasn't she didn't feel yeah. even though a lot of the story is about her. She didn't feel a substantial enough kind of role within it. Um, she just quite felt incidental, really, to the whole thing. Yeah. And I suppose you're right that you should, because she is the the other major player in this story, you probably should feel something a little bit more. But Yeah, because we have seen Star Trek do really, really good antagonists in yeah. the past. And quite frankly, if that was Lorca there, I, I think, I'm, I, I, know, I don't want to sound sex or anything, because Giorgio, obviously, she is the best actor like on there by far. By far, but I think if it was kind of Jason Isaacs, I think he would have made us care and like drawn us into his performance a bit more. Mm. So I didn't buy as evil. But I don't think uh, the, the dynamic wouldn't have worked with Locke alike because there yeah, isn't yeah. this personal performance wise. But yeah, we just we we just still really sorry and disappointed that we didn't get Locke. See again, <laughs> I the. It bothers me now, kidding. thinking back, but they, they managed to <laughs> the, blag me, Jorin, actually. The entire, they spent the entire first part <laughs> hinting at Locker. They, spent, they, they did it several times during this episode, Internet Locker. I know they did, yeah. And it, uh, as we I were said, let they, down. They, they blagged me the first, when I watched it because I, I didn't, I came away not, being annoyed by it, but then retrospectively, I can be like, actually, yeah, they did build that up a bit too much. But I, I mean, something that, that apparently they've dealt with in expanding universe, they didn't mention it on this, but apparently at the time, 
He's meant to be on a secret shuttlecraft, which is codenamed Manger, so he's away in a manger. Ah, very good. <laughs> very good. Well, they do have a weird secret codename later on, don't they? Like, they go, oh, Locker's working on something. Because this is the thing. They go and find the guy who's notably not Jason Isaacs, and it's just like, oh, this is Locker's guy who knows things and who contacts who he contacts yeah, other people yeah we're, we're gonna deal with this guy instead of Loka this episode and see this i thought there was a really cool effect here where they go to warp and we obviously we don't see the whole warp journey because warp takes longer than that but i thought it was a really good way of doing a, tra- a time transition in one shot to show the ship going to warp drop out of warp at the new planet, but you still have the implicit understanding that, yeah, that there has been a longer time jump here. It's just an artistic flourish to show it that way. Don't you way. think it was nice on the bridge here <laughs> that we had um, both Arians? Yes, yes. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, we had Arium Arium 1. Yeah, we had Arium 1 and Arium 2. And then Arium <laughs> 2 back as Arium, whereas Arium 1 yeah. was playing whatever she's called, I forget the character's name, that she now plays. But yeah, that was really cool. And it must be must be nice for her to come back and not have to put the makeup on. I was thinking actually the same with um, Detmer in this one. Yeah. She must have felt, felt this was good because she wears that, I know it's like just a prosthetic part, but it must be quite uncomfortable wearing that through all your scenes. Oh, definitely. Because the- it'll, be, it'll be glued in place and everything. Yeah, and they'll have to do something with her hair because it, it covers part of her head and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Also, they all get to wear the kinky uniforms, so I think they'll all be happy doing that. Well, we were happy watching it anyway. And it's worth saying also, uh, you were saying about the um, the way they did the warp and everything. Sorry, a shot I meant to mention from the start when they kind of spin around the ship and go through the parts of the ship and then go into... Oh, oh yeah, that yeah. was That was really nice, going through the hull. We were talking about the director, hats off. Yeah, that was just a glorious scene. Yeah, there was some really good stuff in this one. It is, and this is a thing. I mean, we've talked about before, but having your your ships and stuff CGI affords you the opportunity to do this. Whereas in the old shows, it was like, well, we the amount of money and time it costs to get the big model out and move it around and try and film different angles and stuff. So it is great that you can you get a mix, yeah. And so, yeah, so this sort of brings it to a head, doesn't it, where they get this guy who's not Lorca. And Michael turns on Giorgio again, but then Giorgio says, no, I anticipated it. And so you've got Michael and her traitorous people, and then Giorgio's backed up by Killy and the Kelpians. Harry, um, and the uh, Kelpians. Yeah. Have we have we actually gone past where uh, they have kind of with Saru? Because I just want to hat what well, like hat right off to uh, the performance of him when he talks about when he realizes that the change is a complete lie. Yes. And by the way, in both universes, not one person happened to be away from people when it happened. Anyway, I won't open that wound again. <laughs> but but it's the fact that he realizes like as my sister my. All of them, like just the shot yeah. of Doug Jones's face, it's fucking phenomenal. Talk about acting. He doesn't usually, like, you know, he is such a good actor in it anyway, but he doesn't <laughs> usually get to play that note of being so uh, furious and so yeah. deeply hurt to his core. 
it was spectacular. No, it's a brilliant scene. And, and that, as we find out when she comes back to the present, that is what becomes her saving grace, is that she does save Saru. And it is the most sort of humanitarian thing we've seen Giorgio do, that she's like, I'm going to tell you about this thing, you know, that's a huge big secret. And effectively... In theory, she could be saving the whole race here. I mean, I imagine in this universe that the Terrans have gone to Kaminar and they've killed the Ba'ul, but they've gone, oh, actually, they have this blag going that you you die when you go through Vahari, so we'll keep that up and we'll we'll keep... We'll eat you when you get there. Yeah. We'll eat you. The Terrans don't <laughs> want them dropping the ganglia and growing the spikes. You know, that's not that's not good. So it'd have been cool well, if Saru had started shooting spikes. To be fair, though. the Terrans still get what they want because the ganglia fall off when they yeah. go through the bar. So they can still eat the part that nah, they actually want. It's, nah, <laughs> you see, dead ganglia is no good. It, it loses <laughs> all of its calorific value. You've got to eat it live. <laughs> Or as close to live as you possibly can. The dead ganglia is just... It's just pointless. Well, surely they could amputate it just before it's due to fall off. So, no, it's still, it still comes off chewy. <laughs> How would that work? Now, Dr. Squee, you'll be able to inform us on this one. How would that work from a vegan perspective? Could you eat a ganglia from a Kelpian who's gone through Vaharice and no longer needs it? No, it's only if it is fake, uh, fake ganglia, basically. So if it's some sort of right. protein ganglia, so it'd have ganglia, to be then, li- then it's okay. No, otherwise we we won't stop that. It'd have to be Linda McCartney ganglia. Not your ganglia, not your food. Right. Okay. Good. So there you go. You heard it here first, folks. That's that's the vegan take on. I have a feeling there aren't any vegans in the Terran universe. I just don't think that I'd. That would fly yeah. at all. First up against the wall. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yes, we get back to the present then, and we, we've already discussed it, but the Guardian of Forever then. Cal was the Guardian. No no Q involved, which we were speculating yeah. on last yeah. week. Yet. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was a good reveal, and it was... It was a good goose pimply moment uh, where it all flies back and it's the Guardian yeah, and you get the booming like, voice. I think, that, I think the entire online Star Trek community had guessed it was the Guardian yes. forever. And I think, uh, to be fair to the the show, I don't think they tried to hide it that well. Like, they had the newspaper. Yeah. It, it wasn't hard to, to get there, but I still think it was a cool reveal to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, if you, I think if you work like we do, look at these shows in depth and that. But I think for your casual viewer, it probably was a really great reveal. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's not, you know, podcasting about it and rewatching it millions of times and thinking we'll watch about everything it and, on YouTube of how of their yeah. reviews of it and just watch it on a weekly basis. Dare I even say, the only thing uh, that I think they did, which just I would have done differently, it's not a real complaint, but it's like when they showed the actual kind of uh, gateway, I, mm. I thought it looked great, but I would have just stuck it really right to the original, like not without the spiralling going in there. Yeah. I think I would have just had it as a force field. With the cloud. Yeah, the middle. Yeah, I think that looked better. Yeah, the middle bit to me was a bit 
weird. Yeah. For the sake of change, it felt like. Yeah, that was a weird yeah. one. What I did really, really like was the sort of quick history we got of the Guardian, where how it played a part in the uh, the time was, and I thought that was so well thought out. It was great because it's. Of course, if there's a big time war going on, you're going to use this thing that's on this planet that just lets you go anywhere in time. And the fact that the Guardian says, well, people used me basically to to kill each other in the time war, so I had to go into hiding. And Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm currently elsewhere. Yeah, I liked I, how he described it, I'm elsewhere. Yeah, I just thought that was such a good touch and it... It, again, I'm sure, because it always happens with Star Trek, but somebody will probably write a novel or something about the Time Wars. <laughs> but I'd love to see the, you know, the battle for the Guardian of Forever or something. You can imagine all the different factions trying to take that planet. It'll have become a really important part of the Time yeah. War, you'd imagine. It, it, it's a I, I do like, I like how... When he was saying... When he was saying um, Oh, it used to be it was so simple, like just step through here, just if you mess up time you've gotta fix it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Yeah, that was that was it, well it that was sitting on the edge of forever yeah. to yeah. a T. Like, yeah, you can go back, but if you mess it up, you've got to fix it. Yeah, yeah that's what they did. <laughs> I used to do that for fun, but you can't do it anymore because they're having a war and giggle. <laughs> and it also gives us a bit more lore about the Guardian of Forever. Like, we now know that it's capable of moving somehow and it's capable of disguising itself as other people. And it's, uh, it's adding... And it hasn't just it hasn't just got a purpose of looking into the past yeah. and transporting you. It's aware of what's going on. And it, and it can, it can um, like, challenge people and test people like it does with Jojo. Sorry? Yeah, well, didn't you get the impression here that, like, it goes, we were testing you, we were weighing you up? Yeah. So he's talking in the plural, like, there's more than just him. Yeah, that's a so, fair point. So we could still have a point of this being part of Q. Yeah, Q it could be, or, or, or it could be whatever species created the Guardian, or, you know, there could be, there could be Guardians of other things, like he's the Guardian of Forever, but there could be a Guardian of... I don't know. We'll find out. Um, there was, there was a, um, uh, an audio drama. They did like uh, two of them, which mm. is Spock versus Q. Oh, no, oh no, yeah. No, 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 not even those ones. Sorry, I think they back-referenced it. But there was a, sorry, an audio and book called IQ. Yes. It was all like uh, written by John Delancey and tells the story of kind of this Q-centric story with Picard and a few other Next Generation characters thrown in. And they did a wonderful thing in that where they said it's like uh, – you know, who, well, who was it who did all this? Like, well, what's the letter after Q? And they they had the R continuum, <laughs> which was also referenced. It was referenced in uh, Spock versus Q. Yeah, because uh, when it gets resolved at the end, they reference them. Uh, that's why I thought that. But yeah, so I like the idea. Maybe, maybe it's the R continuum. Maybe it's a, a related. Yeah, continuum. it could be. Yeah. And I saw because um, I always obviously I always try and avoid spoilers until I manage to watch the episode. But I saw a meme popped up and it had uh, the God thing out of Star Trek Five, and I thought, oh no, it's not going to turn out that Carl is God from Star Trek Five. Like of all the things that you could pull back, like please no, don't be we, that. Unfortunately, it wasn't. So. We don't need to go back to Shakari. No, Captain Kirk's not. autobiography 
nicely deals with Stafford. It does, actually, yeah. And that should be the final word on it. And we've talked many a time about this. Yeah. Well, I think also the thing which I love about this is my two favourite performances of this episode. I mentioned Saru before. It was so quiet and understated for something which is so kind of monumental. Just it was all internalised. It wasn't the big shouty performances, which when you're in the uh, Mirror Universe, really, it's filled with big shouty, big mm-hmm. verbose performances. Yeah. He did really subtle. It was great. And then the same thing with Carl. When he's there on the planet and he's just talking about the time war and what it cost him mm-hmm. and what it cost the Guardian. Like, you really look like a guy destroyed. I really got the feeling moving to another planet is possible for them but not easy like this was a difficult choice <laughs> yeah. difficult thing to do but he did what he had to do because he couldn't be used in that way he looked hurt yeah by events happening I mean, it had to leave his it had to leave his home yeah exactly yeah. It's, it was his city he was the last sort of vestige of that civilization and yeah he's had to go and when when you're the guardian uh, or one of the guardians possibly of time like he is and people are abusing that, like the kids who you've helped foster throughout yeah. the space. And they've, they've suddenly got this power and they're abusing it. He looked hurt by that. Like that, it was that kind of deep hurt I kind of really saw. In yeah, it's really interesting. And it, yeah, I love that they're, they're taking an old feature of it and just building upon it and expanding it. It is really interesting stuff. Um, so. The parting then of Giorgio and Michael, and there was one bit that I thought was really interesting in it, where Giorgio, Empress Giorgio, says, "You know, uh, I've seen it all play out again, and it she was destined to die." And I liked when she said, um, "Maybe your Giorgio was destined to die as well." And it's it's kind of. She's almost sort of offering Michael, because she knows Michael carries all this guilt about it. She's offering her this little sort of tidbit of uh, absolution, you know, like try not to beat yourself up about it too much because maybe it was one of those things that always happens. And uh, Mira Georgia has no way of knowing this. It's She's just saying a nice thing to try and make Michael feel better, and that shows how far she's come, really, that... It's kind of like, now that she knows she's going, she's finally letting a guard down. I mean, she doesn't interact with the rest of the crew, but with Michael, certainly. She's dropping all the bullshit for once and actually being nice to her, which I quite like. I preferred this to the last episode, because I think you were right. I think it was more appropriate for me that it was Michael and her, just them two saying goodbye. Whereas in the previous episode where you had Tilly hugging her, which, like I said, I wasn't a fan of, I think just they hadn't done anything to earn that. They've done everything to earn the relationship between Michael yeah. and between Georgia. They've taken the shoe leather. They've taken the time to do that. And like as we'll get on to, I'm sure, in a second, like the, the uh, wake scene, I would just like to a few holdouts. Like, would they, we've seen none of these I was annoyed at the wake scene. That's what I'm talking about. We've seen none of those people substantively interact no. with her. Apart from Why her. was she having a wake? She yeah. hasn't died. They've saved. They've saved yeah, her life. I think that they ha- that she has. I think is no, it? no. But Michael quite has to say no. She's just gone back to her own time. That was how the only way that I was think, to save her. I think was it's, that she's been gone back to her own time and she's been saved. I so why are they treating it like she's been killed? I think it's less of a wake and more of a she's gone. You know, we're not going to see her again. I I, th- I always felt. I well, I felt the two times I watched it. I say always, but. I felt both times I was watching it, I felt the idea was 
the kind of deal she made with Saru in that room was, as far as everyone else is concerned, because we haven't got her here and we don't want to deal with this, especially not with Selfie, we have to tell everyone she's dead. We have yeah, to maybe. Me- ah, it'll be because time travel's illegal. So they, things, yeah. they will have had to have listed her as deceased rather than just Pretty good. gone or whatever. Because Saru says, doesn't he, she says... Michael says she's not coming back, and Saru says deceased then. So, yeah, it it could be that the rest of the crew are not aware that she isn't actually dead, yeah. Now, I, had, I hadn't thought of that, so <laughs> I can see it slightly now. differently now. Because to me, it played out wrong that they were treating her as dead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just invite all of them, not one of them, like... An- they were all talking so glowingly about her. It was like, wasn't she a badass and that soon everything? Wasn't she great with this? Not one of them was like, I didn't like her, but grudgingly I'll give her. Yeah, yeah. Was so dirty. It's like, she was never good to anything. She was a bitch to me constantly. <laughs> yeah. She, I, to be honest, I never even understood why we kept her on the ship. She's clearly a war criminal from another universe. <laughs> Who's in? Who's impersonating a dead, revered Starfleet captain? Like, I was never on board with this from the start. Yeah, I think for me, I just um, again, I just think it, I love the thing on the planet that made sense. They had had that journey. Yeah, done. the rest of the crew. We really have not seen a lot of scenes. Maybe her and Tilly a bit, but the rest of them, we haven't seen scenes with them interacting. No. No, you're right. Which is something that we've spoken a lot about with Discovery, mm-hmm. that we see a, we see a lot of a few characters in the show, but yeah. we've got all these other characters, and we don't know a lot about them. They do seem to have this thing that when characters leave or die or what have you, we get these huge big scenes about everyone grieving over them, and... It, you they were the best mate. And yeah, you, you don't feel it because we've been so close. It's not like, but you haven't. Yeah, you, you've not done anything to earn. Yeah, believing that you don't feel it because we've not seen it. Like, yeah, I mean, to some extent, like they sort of got away with it with Arian because she was always there. So we can believe that there's a backstory that these people have known each other. But then, like earlier this season with Nan, it's like. Nan's had about three lines of dialogue in in a season and a half, so I don't feel it. And Giorgio, <coughs> yes, we've had a lot more to do with her, but like you say, the, her interactions primarily have been with Michael, a little bit with Saru, a little bit with Tilly, and that's your lot. Like, there's the bit where Tig says something, and has she even met Tig? That I, I, I don't really recall, because surely... The, a scene with Tig meeting Giorgio and them both sniping at each other would have been an absolute highlight of whichever episode it was in. So I kind yeah, of what feel the part where they were cleaning up. Um... Oh, what's his oh, name? Oh, cleaning up Leland. Yeah, yeah maybe. when they were cleaning up Leland. Possibly, I mean, it, 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 there hasn't been a lot. No, not at all. For me, if you want to tidy it up a bit, what you do is you have when she comes back and she's talking to Saru, maybe have. Um, Dr. Colbert and uh, have Tilly in there as the first officer have them talking about it because they would have all personal recollection yeah, yeah. and then they go but we must agree you know past this we, as far as the rest of the crew know she's dead and maybe the crew's giving them condolences to Michael alone yes but, yeah, yeah that I would don't work find them all being behind no. how one 
was. Yeah, definitely could have been done better. Um, last thing to sort of touch on then is you, we do nudge the main story forward and you get this thing of Buck with his, I've got this Orion tech and I'm going to fit that on and you need me working outside the law and all this. So, yeah, fine. Nothing... Yeah monumentous it just sets us up for next week that yeah it just means that uh the last minute almost last minute of the episode they decided oh let's put a bit in that we've decoded the signal <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we can go be. so we can go there next week exactly and and to me i think i would have maybe done this like a bit different i've said before it's like i really didn't care the will they won't be not only about burnham and um booker but also uh Booker being uh, like you know so reluctant to join Starfleet because it was obvious he was going to in the end. Always yeah, join the I wish he had joined kind of earlier, but was trying to find his place. And this could have been a Stadar moment. It would have had more impact for me if they yeah. did it a bit more along the way. It was as opposed to him just going, "Oh, I won't, I won't, I will." What do I do? Ah, find your place. Next episode, he finds his. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it was very, very easily, very sort of mechanical the way it was done, but. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. I mean, it's obviously uh, like there's parts of this this season, and you think, are they going to actually get to the end of the story this season? I with think three episodes left. Are we going to find out? Are we going to fix the burn? I think I don't know if we're going to fix it. I think we're going to find out what caused it, and we've got to deal with the Orions. There's, like there's a theory going around now, um, because. Uh, season four was confirmed before they started making season three. Yeah. So th- there's theories now that because they now know that they've at least got season four, that we're not going to get conclusions to these. Mm, I mean, <laughs> to these events in this season. I think, I, I've got a nasty. I've got a nasty feeling that the sort of cliffhanger on the end of this season could be. He's the major clue of where <laughs> the bird started. No, <laughs> I'm heading there. I think. I just think sorry, go I, I was just going to say, I think we are going to find out what caused the burn. Whether the ramifications of that will all be resolved this season, I doubt it. But I think that's intentional because it's something that big that it's going to take a while. But I, I think we're definitely going to find out what caused the burn, if nothing else. So. I think also whatever they were going to do to end up the series, I think hasn't changed. I think this was, if anything, because it was filmed so much in advance to when they managed to air it because of the effects and everything. I, you know, maybe they had time to a bit of subtle recutting, but to completely change. No, what end, I mean is they knew that they knew that they had season four before they even started filming season three. Okay, so they they they'd already been renewed for the fourth season before they started filming yeah, this I, season. I so. think they've. They've more than likely had something in mind for season four, but I do think they're planning on giving this story some sort of resolution. I don't think they're just going to leave I'd be, it as... I'd be annoyed if we didn't. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, I'm, I think I'm a bit let down still by this episode because I, I wanted to see so many different things and we didn't get them apart from The Guardian. <laughs> True. I think they had, they had a lot packed into it, though. And one thing I would say, just um, like I don't want to miss, is... Another great uh, little mini performance by uh, Admiral Silver Daddy Ben. Yeah, he, uh, moved in there. He did his usual thing. I'm kind of really loving the relationship. Again, 
I want to see a buddy cop series between him and Saru. I'm just going to keep saying yeah. that. <laughs> that moment, he, he is so good at um, challenging Saru whilst back in. He is mentoring yeah. him. He, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he is he absolutely him. is. I would love to see like Saru writing a diary or something. Like Every time I try something with like, the Admiral, it's... Like, okay. we, got, oh. we got a little thing, didn't we, from um, Giorgio before she left when she t- starts talking about what a great job Saru's done. Mm. But he's not the he's not the only one who could be captain. And I really hope that we don't go down that road of Michael becoming captain over. No, I don't think it's gonna happen overnight if it does. I think she's got a long way to go if she is gonna get yeah. there, but we'll see. Um, it did I think, worry me as well, I must admit. Yeah. I, mean, I had the same kind of feeling of like, no, Saru is so good. This is so good. Don't mess with this. Don't no, I, do, I don't think she would ever usurp Saru. I think Saru's the captain for this. But yeah, yeah I don't. It, it's like the story this season has been, oh, actually, Michael's not destined for being a captain. Oh, if she is, she's yeah, got she a keep, long, long way before she gets there. She keeps stepping out of line. Yeah. She's insubordinate. But I, I'd be worried even if they, like like Jim Kirk... And she had a year away, so she's not even sure she should be part <laughs> Federation still. I just thought I'd drop that in because it's not being mentioned for the last two episodes, and just in case anyone forgot. She had what? What, what so happened? She had a year away. <laughs> what? What? Really? You might have to go back and watch some episodes. I think it was mentioned. Um, anyway, yeah. I think that about does yeah, us... Yeah, I thought I'd just, I thought I'd just remind everyone because they haven't reminded us for two two episodes. Oh, we'll get it next week. Just very quickly, we, we absolutely have to at least have, if we don't have a series, we have to have a TV movie or at least a short treks with Saru and Admiral Silver Daddy Bear, the buddy cop movie. Like, yeah, that would well, be awesome. It, well, it'd be, I don't think we'll get it this season because I, I think there's too much to be done in the last three episodes. Yeah. But there's plenty of scope in season four that we could have a an episode where Admiral Daddy Bear and Saru Silver go off Daddy on Bear, come Silver on. Daddy Bear go off on a little mission on their own. I'd be up for that, definitely. So um we'll No be... Michael. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week then to talk about the uh well not quite the penultimate, the anti penultimate episode of season three. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you want to let us know... Citadel Intake. Citadel, it's called. Uh, yeah. If you want to let us know what you think, we're on Facebook. Search for Retrek. You can tweet us at RetrekPod, or you can send us an email, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Do we have a Dr. Squee show this week? Well, sh- sorry, I slipped on the butt. Oh, for Christ's sake. Right, I'm going to fire whoever was meant to delete that. It's still popping up here. I'm sorry. It's popped up a banner here for anyone who's listening on the podcast saying the Dr. Squee show Thursdays 9 for 11 or the Bear.Live moving till 8 till 10 in the new year, which it doesn't mention here. So it's even sloppy like and it shouldn't be here. Is that... This week, are you doing it this week? That's Christmas Eve. So are you you're live Christmas, Christmas Eve? Eve got a special Christmas Eve, there's a special pre-recorded episode. Where Excellent. I only talk to Darth Elvis from Sci-Fi Weekend. Excellent. Wonderful. He is the re-embodiment of Elvis, brought back to life by uh, the Darth Sith Lords, as we all know. And uh, also, I uh, have Nicola spinning some of her Christmas tunes. So, like, yeah, we get a bit of a family affair going on. It's all good. Oh, and we speak to my friend Andy Guy, who is a ghost hunter about ghosts of Christmas. Fantastic. Well, tune into that one. And thank you for trekking with us this time. And Merry Christmas, everyone. 
Merry Christmas. Thank you. Bye-bye.